0: Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations, as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team, led by Pastor Sheikh Anderson, with the Gen Praise Band, and on special occasions, some great guest musicians.
1: are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Stay tuned for more inspiring music and a message from the Bible.
2: pray. Got every reason to be here again. The Father's love draws me. All my eyes want to seize a glimpse of you. You sing that again. Left my fear by the side of the road. fall to my knees as I lift my hands to pray. Got every reason to be here again. The Father's love draws me in. And all my eyes want to seize a glimpse of you. And all I need.
0: Lord you've made yourself available you know there's a difference in what we need and what we want you may want a new app for your phone but you don't need it the need of the human heart is Jesus you may think you need another hit on something but what you need is more of Jesus You may think you need another sip, another toke. No, you want that. But that's just the band-aid on a cancer. The real problem is your need, and it's Jesus. Lord, may you reveal yourself to each and every one as the source of all that we need is in you. Like we need water, we need you. You are the living water. Like we need food, We need you. You are the living bread. In Jesus' name. The good news is that God so loved you and I. He so loved the world that he gave his son who died for us to meet our need. We owed a debt we could not pay and he paid a debt he did not owe in giving his life for us. Aren't you glad about it? So that we could call on his name and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you paid the fine for me. That justice has been remedied. That you did it for me. Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you. you are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
0: Bringing the word today is our own Sergeant James Neal from the Saginaw Police Department. Amen. Come right on. I've known this man of God for 20 years. He's been a committed part of this body, and the lumber in this building was his. We hauled it here from his barn. Hallelujah. So his blood is in this place. James, bring us a word, brother.
3: This word was born in my heart a few weeks ago in the I think it was the last Wednesday night meeting we had, and I came to the meeting, and there was a man there that, had a need and so I, I was just sitting there kind of minding my own business really and all of a sudden the Lord spoke through me to say something to him and I spoke and I said and it surprised me. I said, hey man, just is that man here that I spoke to? I said, just pretend like there's no other human being on earth and God is here to focus all of his resources on you. Everything he's got is for you. I thought that sounded pretty good. And I, and before I knew what I had done, I was talking and speaking prophetically. I, you know, Alan furnished us with those nice little sandwiches and some chips. And I was just sitting there minding my own business. And the next thing I know, I was speaking prophetically and it, and one thing led to another. And here I am. Yeah. Come on. So. What I want to say is that God, let's put all these billions of people back on the earth, and I'll tell you that God can still focus all of his resources on you as a person. I don't know how he does it, but he can do that with every human being on the earth simultaneously if he wanted to. That's what you call revival and restoration. Come on. Hallelujah. Now, I'm totally lost here. I had this all worked out. You know, uh, I, I want to speak today and, and to tell you that for us to draw near to God and to come to God, we, that's something He wants us to do. Uh, according to James, we have to draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. God took the first step, God took the initiative to come to us. When we were sinners, when we were without God, God came to us. I hate to tell you this, but you didn't save yourself. You didn't say, oh, I'm tired of sinning today. I think I'll stop by the church on the way home and get saved and and then, you know, straighten my halo from time to time. No, God took the initiative to come and save us from, a, from the judgment of hell and also to save us for His blessing and His goodness and to walk with Him and to talk with Him and to commune with Him. I wish I could preach louder. I tell you, I'd do it. And so He expects us to do our part, and that is to draw near to Him. And in the book of James, it says, first, we have to submit to God and resist the devil. See, nothing much happens until we we submit to God. Don't try to resist the devil if you haven't submitted because you know what? It won't work. And he knows that. But when we resist the devil, when we submit to God, and we begin to walk with the Lord, we begin to commune with Him, then He can begin to do the things in our lives that He said He would do. A lot of people wonder why things didn't happen the way they thought. I can't explain it. All I can say is you got to obey the Lord. And today I want to go to the book of uh, the Psalm 73, and I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Asaph. And this is very important in our study today. Asaph was a musician extraordinaire. He was eminent as a musician. He didn't patch things up with bailing wire. This guy knew what he was doing. And according to the Word of God... He prophesied on musical instruments. There was a prophetic tone in his music and the songs that he sang, which were sang for hundreds of years, and in fact, we're still reading them and reflecting on them today, 12 psalms that he wrote. A little bit of an overview of the worship in the time of David. You see, David installed uh, installed Asaph as a leader, a worship leader. And and by the way, I'm not picking on worship leaders and ministers. I'm going to tell you something, friends. You, you may be, and don't laugh at me for this, you may be the Billy Graham of, of someone in the life you're living. Did you know that? You may be the gospel to someone that you work with or someone in the world in which you live. You may have the answer to the need of their life. Who knows? They may be hanging on every word that you say and wondering, well, I wonder what he would do here. I wonder what, I wonder what his decision would be. I wonder how he would react to this or that. You're the minister. We're all ministers. But the thing about Asaph is that he was also known as a seer, S E E R. Please don't be alarmed by that word. It was interchangeable with the word prophet, prophet and seer. This has nothing to do with divination. That was the devil's counterpart, a seer, and in that he had a prophetic anointing upon his life. And so he's walking with God, and he's moving in the realm of God. He's singing, and in in fact, it, where uh, David brought the ark back, and he assembled all the Levites together. And he said to Asaph, look, I want you to get this squared away. And he appointed him as a leader. And, and the worship that they consisted of included every part of a person's being, spirit, soul, and body, and was done with all strength and might. Remember when David danced before the Lord? And the Bible says, "Is careful to say, that he danced with all his might so much so i know he was in the will of god he was ridiculed if you're ridiculed thank you just because someone ridicules you doesn't mean you're not in the will of god in fact that's one of the greatest tests that i have that i did the right thing when someone ridicules and and takes a shot at me okay you know i have to answer to the lord And when you're telling the truth. So here's David. How could he not dance with all his might? How could he not give God the credit? He removed his kingly robe. And he began to dance. And there was Asaph right in the big middle of it. in, In the song of the Lord. But we find that something happened. Something happened to him. And right in the middle of all of this of this singing and this exuberant and this excitement and, and spontaneity. That's another thing they had, spontaneity. Just like when uh, Shake had the kids come up here. Remember how we used to do that years ago? The kids would come up and sing and, and dance before the Lord, and, and it, it just brought an anointing, and it brought a joy and a lifting up of the people. I wish we would do more of that. And they used hand signs and signals and, and, and got involved and uh, playing instruments, clapping of hands, standing, bowing down, dancing, all of these things are a part of our worship of the Lord and and the praise of God. But something happened, and we look in Psalm 73, and he begins with a true statement. And this statement, at least we know he survived because he makes this statement, and then he begins to tell what happened to him. I wonder if we could look at this together. I don't like to go to too many scriptures and spend a lot of time shuffling through pages, but uh, now y'all help me, y'all help me preach this because I believe that I believe that God gave me a word for you today, and uh, this is a significant word. You see, I learned something about worship services over the years. They, they may resemble one another, but there's no two alike. Every worship service is like a snowflake. It's, it's one of a kind. Every service. It's a unique thing. And the reason why it's unique is because you're unique. And the reason you're unique is because God is unique. Come on now. Hallelujah. And so what you're hearing today was meant for you to be. Don't look around and say, I wish somebody, uh, boy, so-and-so really needs this. Well, just focus on yourself. You see, I learned a long time ago, I don't need somebody else to make me look bad. I can do that perfectly well myself. (laughs) And whatever people are saying about me, it's probably true. But, I mean, what can I say? So anyway, he said, surely God is good to Israel, to those that are pure in heart. So he begins with a true statement. And then he talks about himself. And this is something that he's writing after the fact. You see, if he starts talking about the terrible things that happened and then he begins to support that and make excuse for that, then he endorsed it. See, when things happen in your life, don't blame God. God never made a mistake. I mean, you know, I I make mistakes. I'm talking to you today not from a a, a history of 100% success in everything I did. I'm talking from a lot of blunders. You know, I made a decision one time. I I don't remember even what it was. I made several, you know. But anyway, I made a decision. It turned out wrong. And I said to God, why would you let me do that? You saw what I was going to do. I mean, I wake up like a goose every morning in a new world. You should have stepped in and helped me. Were you not looking? Come on. <laughs> you know, sometimes God sneaks up on you. You know what I mean? He sneaks up. On you, and you're in the middle of a divine appointment before you even know it. That's kind of like his angels. They do that too. They, they sneak up on you, and then they scare the daylights out of you, and then they say, Fear not. I mean, okay. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to go with that. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, now watch one up here. And I, okay. Anyway, he said, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped i had nearly lost my foothold and you're thinking what here's this man who was a seer here's a man here's a man who was appointed by king david the greatest king who ever lived and he is right in the middle of the glory and the worship and the exuberance and the spontaneity and the professional sound of the music and he says, my feet had slipped. One translation says, I was at the edge of the cliff. What's he talking about? He said, for I envied the arrogant. And when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. Well. Have you ever said any of these things? Well, let's read a little further now here. Do some inventory. They are not plagued by human. Well, I brought glasses. Oh, so that's where I'm at. (laughs) All right, that's more better. Yeah, I can live with that. (laughs) <laughs> They're not plagued by human ills. Well, I've thought of that. I've thought that before. Why am I struggling so hard? And dude over here, he's just everything he touches turns to gold. You know, and everything I try to do, it just goes down the tubes. Woe is me. You know. Come on, don't make me come out there. You, this is James talking to you. You thought you know you know what I'm talking about. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds knows no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of earth. This is the man of God, the seer, the man with a prophetic utterance. And he's saying all of these things. Awful things, perhaps things that we have thought, at least some of them. I'm not going to criticize him. I don't believe in criticizing people in the Bible who go through things in life. I don't believe we should do that. But I think we can learn from the things they go through. And so I'm not criticizing him. And in fact, this is kind of like a public record. He's got it out here for us all to read. He wanted us to see what he went through in his life. Can you all hear me okay? uh, Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? You know, the ungodly people say things that don't make sense. I had a man tell me one time, well, I know when I die, I know I'm going to go to hell. And I said, man, don't say that. You're you're talking about an unimaginable horror. You're talking about something that is irrevocable. There's no remedy. No matter what you go through in life, at least after it passed, you can have some remedy. But But to lose your soul, to lose your life, to... Go into the abyss, away from God, forever separated from God, is, is unimaginable. I talked to a man a couple of days ago. He just happened to come into my office. <laughs> okay. And I didn't start the conversation, so I didn't violate any of his civil rights pertaining to religion and he starts telling me i don't believe all that stuff you talk about i don't i don't believe that and and yeah moses and then they went across the red sea yeah great and i said yeah and that's not all of it they went over on dry ground too <laughs> yeah yeah sink your teeth into that one uh and I, anyway and he goes on and on and then he says something interesting yeah i got two daughters and and uh, i got them going to church and i said why did they go to church why do you want them to go to church? And he said, "Well, I, I want them to be, I want them to grow up and to and to be good people and decent people." And I said, "Oh, so you don't believe in the God of the Bible? Well, I believe in a higher power. Well, all right, that's a step in the right direction, you know. And and so you don't believe in the miracles and the God of the Bible. So, but you want your children to go to church so they'll be good people. I said, I don't think." I think there's more to you than what you're saying. I think you have more of an awareness than what you're trying to sell me on. No, I, I don't believe I yeah, you do. Hey, I mean, I've just started. I've just started on the dude. I mean... And he's our IT guy. He's our computer expert. And fortunately for me, I am a computer illiterate. But I do I, I know I'm sorry. But I do know this. I know there's a living God who wants to save people. You know? And I believe that we live in the day of the miraculous. It's not over. No, it hadn't all gone down down the tubes. It's not over. We live in a time when God is going to reveal himself as never before. Well, what if we had a man, what if we had a prophetic voice in the earth today like some of these people? Hmm, let me see. Oh, Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles and prophets Oh, yeah, that's there, isn't it? And some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. For the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Come on now. Yeah, there's a voice in the land. There's a voice in the land that's yet to be heard. Yeah, I was just eating my sandwich and eating chips and minding my own business and God sneaked up on me and, and prophecy came forth. He'll get you when you least expect it. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. I don't know if this really bothered this guy or not. Somehow, in my years i 've learned that what somebody is saying is not necessarily what 's always bothering them. You know your roof can be dripping right over here, but it may be leaking over here. You know what i 'm saying? And just because somebody 's running their mouth and talking and talking and talking i 'm sitting there and trying to get a handle. Wonder what 's really wrong with this person. I wonder what 's really going on with this person. You never know. What's going on in a person's life when they walk through those doors? You never know. They may be smiling and shaking hands. God bless you. Good to see you. But you don't know what's going on in their heart and their life. Well, this takes a turn for the worst. This is where I believe that Asaph... In his situation that is, he's in, I believe this is where he hits rock bottom. And it's right here that he says, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure, not good. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. This is rock bottom. What good does it do me to be saved? You ever have anybody tell you, oh, you ought to just go ahead and just go get drunk and go do this or that. And you know what? I learned one time that when you give bad advice, God's going to hold you accountable. That's a scary thing. Whatever you do, if you give somebody advice, make sure you give them good, godly advice. Don't give them wrong advice. Oh, just throw caution to the wind. Go out and have a fling. Oh, yeah? Is there not a God who records and remembers and watches? His eye runs to and fro the earth, throughout the earth, looking for those who fear Him? The psalmist said, where can I go from His presence? If I go to the depth of hell... He's there. If I rise to heaven, or the lower parts of the earth, if I rise to heaven, He's there. If it's dark outside, and I try to hide from Him, that don't do any good because the dark's just like the night. He's God either way. Whatever we're going through, whatever valley we're in, whatever the climate is, whether it's hot or cold, or dry or wet, or the the economy's crashing, or or, our country's in trouble, or whatever happens, God is still God. That didn't change. That stayed the same. And so he has hit rock bottom. I have these elaborate notes, and right here I wrote stop, halt, alto. No mas. Enough is enough. You know, he said I've been punished every morning. Hey, hey, how do you start your morning? You know how I start my morning? When my wife is there. When my wife and I are both off the same day. That would be this beautiful lady right over here. I make coffee. I make a special blend of coffee. And I have my cup and her cup. And I put ingredients in mine and very few ingredients in hers, but I add a little water because mine's too strong. But I can't tell you how much. It's a family secret. I'm sorry. I can't divulge that. Hundreds of years. And then I take her coffee. And that's what, that's how we start our day. See, he says, I've been plagued every morning, every day. Guess what I found in the Bible? From the man who has seen sorrows and lamentations. I believe it's Jeremiah who, is who it's going to be. He said the, the bad things that happened to him. He said, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet I this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What's Alan been preaching about the last few weeks? About hope. Well, then how do I have hope? If I'm plagued every morning and every day I wake up and all I can think of is, yuck, another day. Oh, really? Then what he says. He recalls something. What was it? He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Hallelujah. 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 So his mercy endureth forever. And yet, even though they endure forever, he renews them every single morning. 365 days a year including leap year. They are brand spanking new. Is he is he out there or what? I think at this time, I want to define the word seer. I looked it up in my Unger's Bible Dictionary, and it kind of chickened out on me, and it said it referred me back to the prophet. Okay. I'm sitting there reading this, and, and then I just did a word study of the actual word seer and how it's used pertaining to this person is used very few times, you'll never guess what I found. Would you like to know? Thank goodness for that. Yeah. It means to glow. oh It means to glow. It means to grow. It means to be warm and blaze up and anger, zeal, jealousy to show or incite Jealous passion. Excuse me. Does anybody in here remember a guy by the name of Elijah? Oh, yeah. You talk about a fire in his bones. You talk about fire in his spirit. Come on now. I'm not preaching about Elijah today. I'm preaching about Asaph. But I want to show you an example. He had a great victory on Mount Carmel. And he defeated the prophets of Baal, which really were employed by his wife Jezebel. And not only was Ahab the meanest, the the the, mo- the baddest. I start say the, yeah, the baddest king there was, in that he uh, he did more to he did more to anger God than any other king. And then he married Jezebel to make matters worse. And he had this great victory. And you see, he was a guy who liked to call fire down from heaven. That was his trademark. That was his signature. If you hung out with Elijah, you better have a fire extinguisher with you because he liked to call fire down. That was his main deal. And he was not necessarily a socially acceptable person. He, he, wasn't, he didn't get his clothes at the men's warehouse, okay? Exactly. I had a friend, he didn't like the way I was dressed one time. He said, where do you get your clothes? He said, I get mine at some gentleman's place. I said, I get mine at Tractor Supply, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the best I can do. <laughs> now, my wife's going to get on to me for that because she, she she shops for me. But if it was left up to me, that's where I'd go. You know what you see? Boy, I really put him in his place, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. He didn't have anything else to say except he was laughing. But anyway, you know... He had this great victory, and then the next thing you know, Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing to you or worse. And it puzzled him. I mean, he thought everything was going to work out right, and so he went for his life, even though he was a great prophet. You know, we're just people. We are people. We have the power and the presence of God in us, all of us. But we are people. And so he went and he he found a a cave in a remote area and he hid in this, or he lodged there. And the Lord came to him. Friends, you can't hide from God. You cannot hide from God. Aren't you glad of that? He said, what are you doing here? And you know what he said? And I think it was a true statement. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. You know why he was jealous for the Lord God of hosts? Because he had a fire in him. He had a glow in him. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Another translation says, re-enkindle the fire of God that's in you. Stir it up in your life. Has anybody ever heard of Jeremiah? Who... He got in trouble. He, you know, he put two and two together. Let's see, every time I prophesy, I go to jail. (laughs) Something bad happens. Oh, I know what I'll do. I just won't do that. You know, a stove is hot. I don't touch it. You know what I'm saying? And so it just made perfect sense. Two and two made four. Except with God, that may not necessarily be true. So he said, "I'm not going to mention his name. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm just going to live my life, kind of like me, just just minding my own business, eating my sandwich and my chips. You know what I'm saying?" <laughs> and God came to him and said, "Hey, what's the matter with you? I got a, I got a word for you." And, and began to and kept on speaking to him, just because he wasn't doing his part. God was still speaking to him. And after a while, you know, he started adding up again, and he said there was a there was a fire burning inside of me and I couldn't forbear. In other words, I couldn't keep silent anymore. So he went right back out and started speaking the Word of God again. Yeah. That glow. That fire. Anybody ever heard of John the Baptizer? When he was six months old in the prenatal position in his mother's womb, Mary showed up at her house and greeted her. And when they heard the salutation, the greeting of Mary, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and John the Baptizer leaped in her womb. Just a minute. Hey, I ain't through. (laughs) We're just getting started. We have to watch the clock. If you see Alan throw something at me, you'll know it's nothing personal. (laughs) When I was first saved, I was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and I fell in with a group of people, Christians. And we went down to the main drag, the main mean street. Of Tacoma, Washington, a seaport town with people from all walks of life, different all kinds of uniforms, people wearing, and we stood right in front of this these joints and and we started having a street meeting and I was too scared to do anything but just show up and act like I was trying to do something, but there i didn't really have the guts yet and and so anyway, there was a guy I got to tell you this, this bears this bears witness there was a guy that joined us and he was an older man looked like about 65 years old i don't remember him ever doing anything i don't i mean saying anything he just showed up and he was he couldn't wait to get there he was kind of breathing a little bit when he got there he was so anxious to be there and he had a blue suit. He always wore a light blue suit. And he had the bluest eyes I ever saw and silver hair. And he was kind of a stocky guy. And he kind of leaned forward and he walked. And he showed up and he was, he was so full of the joy of the Lord. And, and But there's one thing, oh yeah, and his hands were like rocks. The reason why is because he was a longshoreman. And he'd been working those docks all of his life. And this mean street was nothing to him. This wasn't did to intimidate him in the least. And I think God just sent him to kind of help shore us up because we were all scared to death in what we were doing. And, but the thing I remember about him, I can't remember who I talked to yesterday or last week, but I can remember this guy from six, 1966. And I remember this. He had that glow. Yeah, he had that fire in him. It was on his countenance. I'll never forget it. And I know he's dead and gone now, but I'll see him in heaven. Come on, you got that fire in you today? You know, it's time to come back to God. And that's what I'm preaching about today. And so this man, Asaph, he's getting ready to... He's gone to right down to the very end. He's at rock bottom. And he said, I can't understand it, uh, how I got like this. I don't know why I'm talking this way. I don't know what happened. He said, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Come on, you got to come back to the sanctuary of God. you got to come back to the presence of God. Where in the world else are we going to go but to God? Who has the answers for the problems of life? Who's going to lend a hand? I hate to tell you this, the devil ain't going to help you. Who's going to help us? It's going to be God. Hallelujah. Let's come to God. And you know what? i got to read you one more verse of Scripture. And this is from Hebrews chapter 4. And I can breathe for a minute until I get there. And you know what he tells us? When you come back to God, when you come back to the sanctuary, where the presence of God is, the sanctuary could be here. It could be on your knees in your closet. You know something? God can meet you where you are. And I also told this little story. I was building my house, and I was working one day and I had the house built, and I was cutting a piece of trim, and I had one piece of trim left, and it was a little bit longer than what I needed and so i'm I'm going back and forth from from in front of the this mantle I built on the fireplace to the porch where I was doing my cutting and I was going back and forth, and I'm going to be kind of honest with you here. I was in that cocky carpenter mode. See, I know, I know. When I was a young man, we were carpenters, and you kind of had to be that way. You know, you kind of had to have, and I don't mean arrogance, just a little bit of cockiness about you. And, and I was kind of in that mode, you know, and I'm, and I'm man, I'm blowing and going. I'm, I'm carpentering. And I'm doing the job, and, and I made this measurement, and I, I went back, and I started to cut it, and I heard this thing in my spirit that said, you might ought to check that measurement. And the and the instant I said that, I mean, there's no split in between there. You, you, you ought to check that measurement. I ain't checking nothing. Yeah, I admit. If lightning strikes, hopefully it'll be down there, not up here. <laughs> but... Yeah, but I was in that man-spirit mode and I wasn't paying attention. It was one of those divine appointments. You know what I said? God sneaks up on you. And so, anyway, I made the cut and I went in there and it was an inch short. And the minute I saw that, I thought, oh, I recognized then. You know what happened? God visited me that day. I'm not backing down off that either. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. God... God came and he was just watching me work. Just looking over my shoulder watching me work. And he did what any good friend would do. Hey, you might might ought to check that measurement. That's what I do, I think. You know? And I knew right then. And my response to him was so classic of that man spirit. You know what? God visits us because he wants to be with us. And he wants us to be with him. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted every way just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Come on, let's go back to the throne of grace. Why? with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, someone could say, well, how does God know what I need? How can God sympathize with me, with me, with what I'm going through? It says he was in all points tempted as we are. He suffered the full range of temptation and problems in life. The Bible says he was rejected. He was oppressed. He was wounded for our transgressions. By stripes we are healed. And he, he poured out his life for us. From Isaiah chapter 53, it tells all the things that happened to him. How can we approach with confidence? Take a wrecked life. Take a life that is a virtual train wreck. Take a life Look at someone's life who is a complete disaster. They've involved in things that we couldn't even talk about here in this forum. Guess what? God, how can I say this? God is able to deliver and to save. He can just do it. I can't lay out a format and tell you how. I, can just, I just know He can heal brokenness. Take someone whose spirit is broken and crushed and there's no hope. There's nowhere to go from here. Come boldly. Not boldly because of what we've done, but boldly or with confidence because of what he's done. It's his doing. He's the one who gained the victory. Come with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace. To help in time of need. I'm glad it's referred to as the throne of grace. The throne of God, that might be, I don't know, someone so far down, they may not be able to grab hold of that. But the throne of grace, that's down where I kind of live. And that means God's unmerited favor. So the throne of grace is the throne of acceptance. It's the throne of benefit and favor and joy and pleasure and gladness and joyfulness. That's what the throne of grace is. It's what we need.
0: Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org.
3: Thanks again for tuning in to Worship and the Word. You may hear our next hour-long broadcast at the same time and station next week.